Welcome to the Product Boss Podcast, where we help product-based businesses grow their sales and improve their strategies. Hey, everyone. I want to introduce you to my co-host and biz bestie, Mina Kunlositap, an Amazon guru that has built a multi-six-figure product-based business. In introducing the other half of the product boss, Jacqueline Snyder. She has helped launch and grow over 500 fashion apparel and accessory brands, even one of her own. And together, we share our inventory of secret weapons that will help you dig deep and do the work it takes. Are you ready? Let's build together. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Product Boss Podcast. This is Mina. I'm your host today. And we're missing Jacqueline. She actually had a deadline with one of her clients, but we have a very special guest with us today. We mentioned her last week and is the one and only Julie Ball of Sparkle Hustle Grow. Hey, Julie. Hey, Mina. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to have you. Julie and I actually know each other personally. We met at the Boss Mom Retreat a year ago, and a lot has changed in our businesses. And Julie has just blown up in the subscription world. So I will let her introduce herself and tell a little bit of her story and how how she progressed um, this last year. Sure. Thanks so much. Um, It's really interesting because when we met... I was right about the 115 subscriber mark. And over this past year, we're now over um, 1,100 subscribers. So we sent our first boxes in October 2016. And um, it was just a side hustle for me. It was something that I had been running a all-female website design and development firm for about six years. And I just got to this point where behind the screen, I was getting a little antsy. I wanted a, I wanted a physical product, something that was tangible. And so I literally looked back at my own expenses. And because I wanted to serve the same audience, I wanted to serve female entrepreneurs. And I looked back at my expenses and I saw that I spent most of my business money on online training business books or personal development books, as well as office supplies, because I'm the type of person that really loves post-its and inspirational pens and beautiful, chic office supplies. So I figured if I just combined those three items into a fun-to-open package, that it could be a hit. Well, I didn't realize how much this was needed and how much people wanted this community and this, this monthly package. And... Um, after that, after you and I had met in January of 2017 at the Boss Mom Retreat, I got a lot of validation from coming to that event. And the women at the event were very supportive. And it just started to snowball at that point. Um, fast forward about five or six more months, I hired my first uh, warehouse to do fulfillment so that I was able to kind of clear my plate so I could scale. I could not no longer pack the boxes in our own home. Crinkle cut was getting in the washing machine. <laughs> there were boxes everywhere and it was just literally taking over our house. And so, um, yeah, we hired our first warehouse to do the fulfillment. And here we are now, um, a, almost a year and a half into the business and um, really, really excited about where it's going and, and where it came from. That is just so exciting. Don't we all start there though, where there's like boxes in our closets and our spare room <laughs> everywhere? Exactly. And it's it's fun to see the progress of that. Um, so tell me a little bit about how you learned about the subscription model and what what steps you took to kind of take to create one of your own. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, I knew I loved receiving subscription boxes. I had a few different subscriptions myself, like Stitch Fix, and um, I had a box for like yoga items. So I knew the delight that you could feel when you get your box in the mail, when you get your shipping notification. It's just a really, really fun experience. And so the first place where I started researching was actually at CrateJoy. Um, CrateJoy, if you haven't heard of it, is kind of like the Etsy of subscription boxes. It is a marketplace that subscription box owners can list their boxes for sale. But the flip side to that is that CrateJoy also has the software for us subscription box owners to run their business. So naturally, they want to nurture us and give us all the information. And they have a website called subscriptionschool.com. And 
when everyone asks me, if anyone asks me, where do I begin? That's the first place I send someone. It has articles on everything from products and postage to sourcing fulfillment and just pricing models. It has a little bit of everything. So that's where I started um, just reading articles and playing around with their calculators researching their marketplace to see what else was already out there, what, what else existed in the same space that I wanted to launch my box. So how'd you get your, your initial 100, 100 subscribers? So I already served this female entrepreneur audience through my web firm, Grow Web Marketing. And so I launched with them. I shared it with past clients. I did a pre-launch, actually. I did not have a budget to, to launch the actual box as I mentioned, it's a side hustle for me at the time. And so in, I think it was, I think it was maybe August or September, I started teasing it. I signed up on Instagram, signed up for a Facebook page, bought my domain, did all those things that I needed to do. And I started teasing it with a giveaway. So I had a landing page that was going to give away an entire annual subscription which in hindsight, I probably could have done, you know, three months or six months, it would have been just as exciting. But that's how I grew my email list. When I was ready to launch and had everything ready from the e-commerce side, ready to accept payments is when I did my pre-sale, which I offered a special price and a special giveaway, not a giveaway. I offered a special item for those original founding members. And so when I, as I launched that, I sold about 45 boxes in that pre-sale. I used that money to buy my custom boxes and to buy some of the first products that I needed to put in those boxes. So I think that that was really important for me to get in front of people and to start doing that pre-sale so that I would have the capital to actually launch it and to put a little bit into ads and to put a little bit into you know, signing up for an email service, for example, all these things that had to, to happen. I love that. And I think it's so smart on um, pre-selling and validating your idea and also making sure you have a little bit of money to bootstrap. Um, it is hard. Um, products, the main thing about it is that it's so risky when you're investing that initial money, right? Yeah. That first run of manufacturing and buying that first lot of stuff. So I love that you pre-sold it and got some subscribers. Yeah. And the thing is that I gave myself a goal. I wanted to sell a hundred. So I went out to market saying, we are going to have a limited supply. We only have a hundred of these. Now I came just slightly short of it, but that gave me that number to really shoot for. So I knew what, um, so I knew how many items to buy and I wanted to buy custom boxes because as a female entrepreneur myself, I knew I was attracted to beautiful design and I wanted something really beautiful for them to open up. So I committed to 250 boxes. Now with custom boxes, obviously the more you buy, the more you're going to save but I had to start somewhere. And so I committed to 250 boxes and I said, if it's going to take me six months, I'm going to sell 250 boxes because that's what I bought. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. So looking at the whole process and everything, like how did you, how did you come across like the resources that you, did you just find it all at CrateJoy or did you, did you already know going in that you would need to know how to source? You would need, you know, how did you find all of that? I would say it's kind of like, I would relate it to becoming a mom. Like I learned as I went, you know what I mean? I learned how to be a six month old mom at six months. And I learned how to be a one year old mom at one or one, excuse me, a one year old mom at one years old. So as I grew there, new things came up. I didn't worry about fulfillment until I hit about 400 boxes because then that's when I started to learn about fulfillment. Each month I would learn something new. I'd find a way to tweak it to make it more profitable or to get it in front of the right people, that type of thing. CrateJoy's subscription school was really, really instrumental. I found the majority of what I needed to launch there. And now they even have a really wonderful Facebook group that is very active that you can post questions and they have webinars on how to launch your first subscription box or how to how to do sourcing, how to do fulfillment, that type of thing. So they really, for me, were this all-in-one resource. And then as I got further into it, I started becoming colleagues with some people that had more successful boxes. And it was just about asking them questions. And just like when people ask me questions, I'm an open book. I'm happy to help if you're trying to launch. Some of the information that I learned the hard way, if I just give it to you, 
that'll help you scale faster. And I'm happy to do that. And so I was lucky enough to meet some people that were in that position where, you know, there were a few steps ahead of me. And so they could give me some information and point me in the right direction. Yeah, that is so great when you get to collaborate with everybody. And and it is, it's all about getting that shortcut. Um, a lot of times it saves you so much time. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about, let's dig into your box. Uh, like what is in every single box and how do you source it? Yeah. So every single box, well, let me take a step back there. We have two offerings. We have the full size box and we have a mini mailer. So let's talk about the box first. In the box is always going to be a book. So that's going to be a full-size book. It's either going to be personal development or something with um, business, professional growth, that type of thing. There's always going to be an online training. So each month we invite a guest expert to train our subscribers on one sort of business aspect, such as Instagram or video video marketing. We just did um, topics of money mindset and money management. So I'm not an expert in all of that stuff. So I invite people in that are experts and they teach us. And then in addition to the book and the training, the boxes also include four to six items like chic office supplies, tech gadgets, and tools to help you grow your business. Now, the mini mailer has the book and the online training as well as the community. So there is this community. um, It's a private Facebook group exclusively for subscribers. And that's where our guest experts join us. We do training. We do collaborations. We just talk business and lift each other up. It's this really wonderful place because it's such a positive environment. And it's this, these group of, this group of women that want to help each other. So you can ask them questions. We have specific days for promo days. We have um, collaboration days. And so both products, the full-size box and the mini mailer include that community. That's awesome. So looking at the, like, how do you find your experts and how do you find, so are there like five or six items all together? So there's the bonus training, there's the book, there's the little gadgets and things like that. Mm -hmm. So is that five items or four items? Four to six in each box. Okay. Four to six items. And I kind of wanted to go into what you're looking for when you're sourcing those boxes. Like how, mm-hmm. how do you, so one was on money mindset. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's specific themes and everything. How are you finding those products that you're putting into your box? And what are you looking for specifically? It takes a lot of time to source the box because I take it very seriously. We, um, we come up with these themes with the help of our subscribers. We ask them, what do you, where are you struggling? What do you want to learn about? And so we look at the whole year and try to build them into places where it makes sense. So for example, money mindset was at the beginning of the year. That just makes sense. We're trying to you know, start the new year on the right foot. And when it comes to finding those experts, I ask colleagues. I am searching all the time online. Um, I ask for recommendations. Who do you know that does this? And so I, I get a lot of introductions that way. Now, when it comes to finding the products, there's a lot of different ways we do that. One is we always ask our subscribers. Um, that is something that is really important for us to get feedback. We make a lot of our business decisions based off of the feedback that they provide to us, whether it's in a survey or just in conversation in the Facebook group. For finding products, I walk through Office Depot, Staples, Target, all that good stuff. And um, that's where I get a lot of my ideas. I'll be taking pictures or I'll, I'll buy samples. If we see something, we as in my team, if one of us sees something that we think might be a good fit, we have a couple of sources right now where we have some um, distributors that we contact. We have someone that does that manufactures custom items for us. So if we can't find the specific product from that vendor, then we can have it kind of made up for ourselves. We can have it custom made. And we also look at, we go directly to the brand. You know, if there's a specific item that I found in one of these stores or I saw on Amazon or saw online, I'll reach out directly to to the vendor and I'll say, hey, this is what we have. I have a a one-sheeter that gives information about our demographics, where we've been featured, how this can be used as a marketing technique and that visibility of the brand. And we just have a conversation from there. So there's, there's a variety of different places that we source from, whether it's custom made, going direct to the vendor or through these distributors. So I've worked with a few um, subscription boxes, contributing my labels into them. Mm -hmm. I've noticed that every single subscription box is different. 
Yeah. It's always open for negotiation. Do you find that that's the way it is with every single brand you work with? It's, you know, when you open up the conversation with them, you never know what you're going to get back. <laughs> right. Um, and it's interesting because some of the brands that I reach out to, I don't even hear back from them. And I think to myself, do you not want to sell your product? And I have to remember sometimes that these distributors or these vendors are used to dealing with the Walmarts and the Targets of the world that are buying a gazillion when I'm only buying, you know, 1200. So I have to always kind of check myself and remind myself of that. But yeah, every single one is different. And it's so funny because I have this conversation with new subscription box owners all the time because I do some coaching with that in that realm now. But a lot of new subscription box owners come in thinking that they're going to get every single product in their box for free. And that's just not reality. They're in what's in how many months have I been doing this in like my 16 months of sending boxes, probably only maybe five to 10 items have I gotten at no charge because they wanted to do some sort of marketing push around a launch or around um, maybe they had excess inventory that they wanted to, to use for marketing. And so I think it's, it's such an interesting concept because it is different for every single box. We all have our different business model and then every vendor has their own business model. It's just about meeting in the middle. Yeah, for sure. When I've talked to some people, I think there's this misconception that when you're in a subscription box, somebody told me that they thought that you had to pay to be in them, which is why they declined all, you know, all the... There are some cases like that. You know, yeah, some of the larger boxes. Yeah, exactly. Because Um, they truly are a marketing platform. Right. And you have to consider that as part of your marketing um, budget. Right. And um, a lot of times, you know, you get cents on the dollar or you don't get much at all. But, you know, there are some people who do pay wholesale or they pay somewhere between wholesale and, you know, nothing. So it is a negotiation every single time. And I think that it's definitely a way for people to to really get out there is to get into subscription boxes that are um, the smaller ones, you know, yeah, starting the 500 mark or something. I 100% agree. And here's the thing. You don't want to just make the sell of your product and then walk away. You have to activate it. So every time I buy from a vendor, I offer them the opportunity at no extra charge other than them sending me the postcards. Do you want to put a bounce back coupon in here? Because I'm not in the business of stocking their product in my online shop. I would rather send that that business directly to them. So I tell them, you know, you are welcome to put a bounce back coupon in here. I'm going to send you professional photography after the box gets um, goes through the photo shoot. I will send you that photography. You are welcome to use it on your, you know, in your brand imagery. I will send you um, my logo so you can put it as as seen in Sparkle Hustle Grow. So there's all these ways to activate it once you do get your product in the box, and especially with small business owners. That's how you're going to make money on it. If you sold it at cost, you don't want to just walk away and say, oh, well, that was a wash, but at least I got in a lot of hands. Well, how are you going to convert those people into loyal customers now? Right. Um, it's uh, You really do have to create it. It's a, it's a marketing funnel in a way. Yeah. Take that coupon and then move it, move that traffic to your website. And- exactly. Um, and keep that relationship with a subscription box owner intact and you know, the best it can be, right? Right, exactly. Um, so, you know, one of the things that I've come across, and it's this is a little bit of um, my own thing too, is that a lot of people that own product-based businesses feel like the benefit to them is that they don't have to be the face of their brand. Mm-hmm. But that's not the case in a lot of things. You know, I feel like you're one of those examples where you've really become the face of your brand more and more so, which is probably why you had to, you know, go from side hustle to full time hustle, you know? And so tell me a little bit about that, like how that progressed and how uh, you became comfortable with that and what, what opportunities um, you saw when you became like the face of your brand. Yeah, I had no intention of doing that from the get-go, but it was very clear within the first three to four months as I started growing this small community. So it took me about three months to hit that 100 mark, right? And there's those 100 subscribers in my private Facebook group. I start interacting with them and we start having inside jokes. We start tagging each other on other things outside of um, the group. And it's almost as if we had become friends. And it got to this point where they were telling me so often, like, 
the little handwritten notes that I would send, or if I would, you know, go above and beyond what they expected, it was what they wanted and it was what they were looking for. And so it, I don't almost just fell into the role of being the face of the brand. I think it made sense, you know, in hindsight, when I look back, it made sense that I am playing that role because I am a female entrepreneur as well. And that's who I'm serving. So a lot of people say, well, how do you pick your items? How do you pick what you want? I say, well, I'm serving myself as well as my audience. So if I'm looking for, you know, a very specific item, I, it's probably going to delight my customers as well. You know, I am my own audience. And so I think that's why it made sense. Um, a lot of my subscribers could really relate to me. I would have full transparency if, if I was struggling with getting the boxes out on time, I would tell them. And I would show them pictures of behind the scenes. And it just got personal. You know what I mean? They, they saw that I was a um, small business owner that had struggles as, as well as wins to celebrate. And so th- there was that common ground that we could all relate to. Yeah, for sure. And I think that when you're initially starting, you almost become your own client or your own avatar because mm-hmm. you're solving your own problem in a lot of ways when you're initially coming up with the, the product, you know, I so agree. all of a sudden you're, you just create a product for yourself and then, then you realize there's millions more of you out there, hopefully, you know, exactly that you can reach. Um, so tell me a little bit about your team, how it progressed. So it starts out with you and your daughter, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. It started out at home. We were bootstrapping everything. So I have a six-year-old daughter and then my husband's a teacher. So he was able to help nights and weekends and in the summertime, but we literally would build everything. Like we would, we would sit, uh, we would make the table real big, you know, like on Thanksgiving day, you put the little extra piece in there and you make it real long. <laughs> the leaf. Yeah. The leaf. <laughs> and it was, we would line up all the boxes and everyone would grab a box and just go down the line and fill it up. And it was so cute that, you know, my daughter wanted to be a part of it. I loved it. And she would see us working hard and working together as a team. But at the time when we were right about that 400 subscriber mark, we were renting a place. It was a 1200 square foot rental. And it was literally taking over the entire house because think about it. If there's a book in every one of those boxes and I just ordered 400 books to show up in a residential (laughs) (laughs) Um, my postal workers and the UPS guy knew me by name. And um, yeah, so (laughs) it got to the point where we physically couldn't scale any larger in our current living situation. Now we've since moved, but what we did was more importantly at that time at that 400-ish, 450 subscriber mark was hire that warehouse. And they are an extension of my team. Um, It's really important to me that I got to know that team and they understood the heart and soul that went into these boxes and the reasons why we put the products in there. And and they really appreciate that now because I took the time to get to know them and I reward them. If they see an item that they like, I said, take, help yourself to one, you know? And so they feel like they're a part of it. And so then at that point, I realized that there were a lot of things on my plate that I really didn't enjoy doing because I was getting overwhelmed. Things, simple things like uh, allowing people into the Facebook group because we only allow um, current subscribers. So there was a checking process. You know, they entered their email address. We had a check to make sure they were a subscriber, would let them in. And just creating a community in there, having engaging posts and making sure people are getting the customer service they need. Um, I was just really getting overwhelmed. So at that point, I hired a VA and I thought that it would just be, you know, five to 10 hours a month and it was just going to be admin tasks. Well, as we continued to grow, those needs continued to grow and the expectations from the subscribers continued to grow. We needed to really bring it. And so I promoted her to um, my director of customer experience. And so now Renee is her name. She's responsible for all the customer service, making sure that questions in the Facebook group get answered in a timely manner, especially when it comes to customer service, posting engaging posts to, to get them active and to get the subscribers talking to each other. She runs the book study. So it, it very quickly grew from a very small little gig to now she is a, a pretty much a full-time member of my team and happy to have her go to events and represent uh, the brand. And so that's where we're at now. We, I also have a blogger because I found that writing blogs was something that I just, it would fall to the bottom of my list. It, was, it just wasn't my favorite thing to do. I love to share information. I love to do a video, but I also wanted to have a blog that had value. 
Um, so I hired a blogger to do that for me. Yeah, um, that that sounds awesome. I know Renee um, personally as well, mm-hmm. and um, she has two little girls just like me. And I, you know, what I love is all this girl power. <laughs> oh, me too. I love right? it, and it's so fun because she. Before I hired her, she was a subscriber, and so she knew what it was like to be on the receiving end. And now that she's on the team, she's got this like mama bear attitude towards it. She's like very protective of the brand and very protective of the subscribers. And she always wants to delight them with customer service that they weren't expecting. Um, But, and I think it's something that's just, I see more and more with female owned businesses that we lead with our heart and that we really want to over deliver and delight people. Um, And she's a perfect fit for that uh, on the team. Yeah. And I'm seeing that a lot of us female entrepreneurs, whether we have little boys or little girls, we are breeding into them and raising them to be leaders. Yes. Like for real, this next generation, maybe not the millennials, but the Gen Z. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> kidding, I'm kidding. The ones that we're raising are really just going to be something else. They are going to... that Entrepreneurialism is going to be a little bit in their blood. Yeah. And um, it's just... It'll be... It'll be awesome to see how they how to how they utilize it. I love My it. Daughter is um, seven, and even when I was doing different things like pitching to people and working hard and being sad and being happy, you know, it's a roller coaster, right? She would mm-hmm. see all of that, and it was like she was a part of that experience too. Because I'm having to explain to her a little bit of you know I actually didn't get that store and I'm doing this and you know so then it's it's like it becomes part of their life. You don't realize that how much. Of your entrepreneurialism and everything becomes a part of their life. So your daughter with the whole, you know, having a factory on the table of subscription boxes, she'll remember that. Yep. And that'll that'll just be so great. So let's flip it a little bit and talk about what you look for when you're looking for brands in your box. Like I know I wanted to give the listeners some tips. So we already said number one would be call the person back and, and you know be open to negotiation and figuring out a, an agreement that works for both of you. So what are some other things that you're looking for that you wish or that your struggles in finding specific brands that you wish that they had? Yeah, I definitely have some tips that I would love to share. And for me, I have a link on my website that says submit a product. And you'll find that on a lot of subscription websites. And even if you don't find the find a product or a product submission link, there's still a contact form. So you can still get direct access to the team. And so I would suggest that people start there. But before you pitch, you need to have your product ready. You need to have pictures. You need to have a description. You need to have your pricing ready and and the website ready, that type of thing. Because I can't tell you how many times people have reached out to me with literally like, Hey, I'm interested in putting my product in your box. Can you get back to me? What? <laughs> <laughs> what is your product? And you know, how do I know it's going to be a good fit? And so I really think that it would be smart to put together some sort of pitch. And then that's what you use to pitch to, to products and it, or to pitch to subscription boxes. And that could be just a few bullet points because we're really busy. We don't want you know, a lengthy email describing everything. We want to know that you have a fully developed product. Um, So many times I'll get an email that will say, our website's not up yet, but the product's ready. Well, you need to show up 100%. We need to be able... If we're going to represent your brand in our box, you got to be ready for it, especially if we're going to send traffic back to your site to purchase. So that would be one of my tips is, you know, put your pitch together, have your pricing ready, have your have pictures, links, website, have all that stuff ready before you dive in and start pitching. I think it's really important too to get to know who you're going to pitch first. Look at their look at their website, look at the subscription box website, look at past boxes. Can you envision your product being a good fit with the mix of products that they have? And I'll just give you a quick example is I get pitched a lot of beauty and lifestyle products but we are essentially an office box. We're an entrepreneurial box. We put books and we put tech gadgets and we put office supplies. Not once have we ever included a beauty product. And it even says on our page, I'm sorry, we don't accept beauty products. But day after day, I get pitched on beauty products. And I understand, you know, female entrepreneurs use beauty products, but that's just not the mix of products that we specifically use in our box. So know the box content, know if it's really going to be a good fit before you pitch your product. Yeah. I love that. I think that 
people go out there and they think once you have a product, then you can just start selling it out of your trunk. Times have changed. There is, if you plan to be in a subscription box and pitch yourself, they want to give this experience of that they're inviting these you know, nice brands to be a part of their box, mm-hmm. right? So just having something that's like thrown together in a, you know, Ziploc bag is not going to cut it. So I think that that makes perfect sense. Like you need to have some sort of presence and some sort of brand image yes. that, that lends and contributes to the box itself because it, in essence, you're selling an experience. And ask to send a sample. If you reach out to them and if you reach out to a subscription box owner and they show some interest, you should always say, can I send you a sample? What is your, what's your address to send a sample to? Because I can't truly experience your product and know it's a good fit until I have one in my hands. And this is important to know too. For instance, my box is six by nine by three inches. So even if I love a product, if it's larger than six by nine, I just simply can't include it. We don't, we don't do custom boxes for different sizes. And so I think it's really important to get that sample in the owner's hands so they could experience it and then um, know whether it's going to be a good fit or not. Yeah, I love that. That makes so much sense. It's, it's do some research, you know, do some research. Exactly. Which kind of helped that, um, you know, when you, if you already subscribe to a box, you can do a one-off box, can't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you can. Um, so you can just do some research by simply by purchasing the box and seeing if you vibe with that box or not. Yeah. And exactly. If you want to buy a one-off box, the, the tip that I can give you is to send yourself the box as a gift because usually gift subscriptions are non-renewing. Mm-hmm. And so then you're not stuck in a subscription if you don't want to be. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. That's like a little hack. <laughs> so um, you said that you had two different boxes, one being a kind of a mini and one being the full size. Mm-hmm. So what's the difference of those? So the mini actually is in a poly bag. It's just a mailer versus a um, cardboard box, you know, a cardboard mailer oh, yeah. box. Mm-hmm. So it, for my case, we, um, or in my case, we send the same book in both the mini mailer and the box, and we send the same training in both the mini mailer and the box. And the reason why we launched the mini mailer was we were over a year into the business and several of our subscribers reached out to me and said, I really, really want to be a part of this community. And I know to be a part of the community, I have to be a subscriber. I have enough stuff. I don't need any more post-its. I don't need any more pens. I have enough stuff, but I still want to be a part of it. And I still want to grow my business. So as a result of listening to feedback from subscribers, we launched the mini mailer so that they could still read the book, do the training and be a part of the community, but not have, um, not get the, the other stuff that's in the box. And so it's perfect for either a minimalist entrepreneur that really just doesn't want to have a lot of items in their workspace or for those on a budget, they still want kind of this group coaching environment but they might not be able to afford the $40 a month. Um, it's $39.95 a month for the box, but it's only $24.95 for the mini mailer. I'm seeing that a ton, actually. I saw a bunch of boxes coming out that were just simply book ones. And a mm-hmm. lot of times it's revised editions. And then um, it's kind of a, like the modern day book club for yeah. entrepreneurs. And so that's been exciting to see because it just makes perfect sense because entrepreneurs love to learn. We're constantly mm-hmm. learning and trying to implement what we learn. So I love that. So have you been seeing success with that mini mailer then? Yeah, for sure. Um, we launched it in, I believe it was November of 2017, and we're already at 150 subscribers for the mini mailer alone with virtually zero promotion. We rarely promote it. It's more of like one of those things internally when you're already a subscriber that um, we say if you're if you have enough of the boxes, you can downgrade to. It's not. I mean, it's a downgrade because of the cost, but you're still part of this this community. Yeah. So I feel like a lot of the people that our subscribers of the mini mailer either have been a part of the box for a while and just needed to kind of take it easy with the products or those that are just testing out the waters. Yeah. So what is something that you wish that you would have known when you first started your business or something you wish you would have done differently? Hmm. That's a great question. I think it's a tough one, huh? It is a really tough one. But one thing that comes to mind, um, I'm sure there's probably 10 things I wish I knew before I launched, but one of the things that comes to mind is there's a lot to learn about postage and, um, taking the time to understand how postage works 
is going to be really important as a subscription box owner, as well as a product-based business because you're shipping products. We currently use a service called Pirate Ship, which is an online shipping software that's free. You don't pay a monthly fee for it. You get commercial rates through the USPS, United States Postal Service. And for our boxes, we use cubic rate shipping, which means um, length times width times height divided by their formula, and you fall into a tier. And so I believe I'm in tier... Ours is either tier one or two, tier two. I can't remember off the top of my head. But I can project the basic cost of my shipping based off of that tier and then where it's going to ship. So there's so many variables, right? So as I'm doing my projections, I have my average cost of shipping. Well... I didn't really realize this, but at the beginning of every year, I think it's in either January or February, USPS does their annual postage increase. (laughs) (laughs) Real fun for us product-based businesses. And the average shipping rate of my box went up about 50 cents. Uh-huh. which is a lot, you know, buy that by 1200 boxes. That's a lot of money. And I had to make a decision at this point, do I just eat that cost for now and plan for a different shipping rate in the future? Because I don't want it to be, I don't want the shipping to be the reason why someone doesn't subscribe because I know once they get the product, they're going to love it mm-hmm. and they're going to get a lot of value out of it. Um, and I think just like in this world of Amazon prime, you <laughs> we get spoiled. All, yeah, everyone's <laughs> we're myself included, we're all spoiled. You know, I'm used to getting two-day shipping with no extra cost. Well, for the box, I charge six dollars for shipping, and for the mini mailer, I cost I charge three dollars for shipping, both of which I'm eating some of the cost of. And so I think um, you know, that's one thing that I I wish I would have learned a little more and spent more time understanding how size, weight time of year based off of, you know, the postage increases, all those things can impact your shipping. And I'll just give you another quick example in the mini mailer in March that we're shipping this week has a hardcover book. Well, hardcover books weigh a lot more than paperback books. And so my shipping costs are significantly higher, even though it's still first, it still uh, falls under that first class shipping, like weight. Uh It's still significantly higher. It's about 50 cents higher than it was last month when I did a paperback book. So it's just, it's really um, a challenge to try to plan all that out, making sure that you're always on top of that postage thing and, and deciding whether or not you want to offer free shipping or if you want to build it into the cost of the product, how, how you want that to pan out. Yeah. People love free shipping for sure, but it's not, yeah, it's not feasible all the time. Um, when you're thinking about that cubic shipping weight doesn't matter, but when you're thinking about first class weight Mm -hmm. does matter. So then when you're going from the mailer cubic to the, uh, bubble mailer instead Mm -hmm. or whatever, and pirate ship, I actually use shipping easy. So it's kind of the same thing. They do the commercial rate thing and they, um, print, they take it from Indisha to USPS. So this is, all this stuff is really confusing because USPS is the worst person to work with. Quite honestly, (laughs) they, (laughs) not that they're the worst, it's just, they're an archaic system trying to, you know, keep up with the new technology. So it's like, um, but you've seen the rise of subscription boxes for sure. It's been amazing to see there's something out there for everybody. And so it'll be cool to see how that, because even like Amazon Prime, they have like a new program called Light and Light and something, but they're using USPS. That's why you've been starting to see packages in your mailbox and your doorstep, you know? So, yeah. So it'll I, be- have, I have a love-hate relationship with USPS. You know, they, um, I really like using Pirate Ship to get that commercial rate uh-huh. Um, they make it easy with the tracking numbers and, you know, downloadable scan forms and all that good stuff. But I will say, um, USPS has treated my packages better than any other, po- than any other service. You know, I tested out, um, smart post. I tested out a couple other different shipping carriers and no matter what, every time USPS boxes and mailers shipped better, like they arrived less banged up, you know, less (laughs) busted in. And I think that's because USPS, and this is just my opinion, I I think it's because USPS 
is used to handling smaller packages where like a FedEx and a UPS, they're used to shipping like TVs and bikes and, you know, larger scale items. So my little six by nine box is going to be on the bottom underneath some bike and TV getting crushed. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Uh-huh. So, um, I have, I've definitely tested it out and had the most positive experiences with USPS, but it, you're right. It is an archaic system. Yeah. But it'll be, um, it'll be cool because I think that subscription boxes are going to save USPS in a way. Possible. Um, <laughs> yeah. It'll at least, you know, lift it up a little bit, give it a little bit of a boost because it's with direct mail falling to the wayside and everything. Mm-hmm. It's been hard on USPS, but now like with subscription boxes, you see it all coming through in USPS. And then also with Amazon Prime moving a little bit from UPS, which they still love UPS. I mean, 90% of it I'm sure is UPS, but a little, they get 10% now, you know? So it's like times are changing a little bit with shipping too. And it definitely, one thing that's not going to change is the expensive part of it. It's only going to get more expensive. So yeah. That's what sucks kind of for us product-based entrepreneurs, that physical mailing of something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So thank you so much, Julie. I wanted to kind of end this interview with some fun questions that we ask all of our guests. So are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. What is your coffee order? Ooh, green tea. I'm a tea tea drinker, more than a coffee drinker. Every once in a while, I will get the Java chip frappuccino at Starbucks. But that's more like a milkshake. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I've never heard of that. It's and not really coffee as much as, as more as it's a milkshake. sweet tea? No, I don't. I drink unsweetened tea. Oh, well, Julie Julie is Southern. This is why I'm asking this. But and I not originally. Like... <laughs> so I grew up near Pittsburgh and I moved down South after college. And so I went on my sweet tea kick for a couple of years and then it just, it is really sweet. <laughs> so... <laughs> I started switching to half and half and then uh-huh. I slowly weaned off and now I can only drink unsweet tea. Okay. Um, <laughs> next question. A favorite thing on your desk? Favorite thing on my desk. Let me look around. I would say my passion planner. Um, we, I've been a passion planner user for about three years now. And are, have you heard of it before? I have a little bit. I, have, yeah. I don't know the difference though. Okay. So the, I think the big difference is that it has prompts and questions in there to really think about the bigger picture about why you're doing this and do it has areas for mind mapping. It has areas for gratitude, inspirational quotes, that type of thing. Now I use, um, a custom made planner for the day-to-day things for like keeping my life organized. But for my business, my go-to is my passion planner. And this year I got a beautiful gold one. So it's even more fun to pick <laughs> up and read. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Next question. Finish the sentence and be honest. When I pick up my phone, I... When I pick up my phone, I cringe. I am not a phone person. I oh, would you aren't? A, no, I would get on a video chat a hundred times before I would get on a phone call. I also get a lot of, <laughs> I also get a lot of solicitations because my business is listed both here in Asheville, but also in Charlotte, because that's where I launched my web marketing. And that's where I launched my web marketing business. So I get a lot of solicitations from like credit card processors, janitorial services. Do you want to sell your business? Like all, <laughs> all these things. So I what do they call it when you watch your phone and you don't, you don't pick it up unless you know who it is. Um, and send a voicemail or no, are you blocking? Like, I, no, I <laughs> no, I'm not blocking everyone, but I like, if I pick, I only pick it up if I am expecting the call or I know the person calling. Well, that's great. I need to learn from you. I need to do that. Yeah. Um, most people are like, I pick up my phone and scan through all social media. That's kind of what I've been guilty of. I've been better um, about it yeah. um, because my daughter is home for spring break and I try not to be on my phone a lot. Yeah. But I do so much work on there. That's why. Like I'm constantly using the apps to do this and that to shortcut things while, because I happen to be on the go a lot. So I need to be better about that for sure. The word I was looking for was I screen, I screen my phone calls. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I I am reading this book right now and I'm reading like a chapter a day. Um, It's called how to break up with your phone. Uh (laughs) That's a real book. (laughs) It's a real book. And it, it teaches you at the beginning, it teaches you how it, like the, the phone is rewiring our brains. Oh yeah. How we're going to it for things that we used to go to like 
like maps, for example, can you even read a map? You know, because we GPS everything and yeah. it's saying it's rewiring our brains. And then the second half of the book is how to like slowly scale back, you know, turn off certain notifications and, you know, how to cert- how to use certain settings so that you're not getting those notifications all the time and when to put your phone down. And so I have to let you know how it's going, but um, I'm about halfway through how to break up with your phone. <laughs> yeah, that sounds so interesting. Um, I do, I don't do notifications. There are some people that look at my phone and they cringe also because there's so many of those red alerts because they, it doesn't ding me, but it shows yep. the, the number, you know, and then like 3,000. <laughs> oh, like, no. oh my gosh, I can't stand that you have that many. And I'm like, oh, it's fine by me, you know, but some people yeah. are like, I must remove that red thing right yeah. there. Yeah. You know, and, I mean, I love my phone in that I can travel and be on the road or go do things with my daughter and still be plugged into my business, making sure nothing's falling apart. But at the same time, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm definitely, it's, it's an addiction. Like you, we need to learn to put it down at a certain point, but it's just this like this hard balance in, in my life right now, for sure. Yeah. Um, one of the things, you know, it is an addiction. Um, one of the things I did was I bought earbuds that are wireless so I can be away from my phone and I can Ooh, still be listening to like a podcast, but you're not, you know, cause if you have it in your hand, it is an addiction. You're like, what else can I do on here? You know? And it's just a little bit of being in front of mind. Okay. So next question, something that you wish you knew how to do and could be anything. Something I wish I knew how to do. Does it have to be like real? <laughs> Because I, I could like, no, it doesn't. okay, so I wish I knew how to beam myself to other places because one, you know, I live in Western North Carolina. My parents are in Western um, Pennsylvania. So I'd love to beam myself there like any day of the week. I want to beam myself to the beach. And then there's probably 10 or 12 conferences that I really, really want to go to, but it's cross-country travel. And it's just really hard, you know, to line up childcare and to just do all the things that you need to do to run your business and to stay sane as just a person (laughs) and do that much cross country travel. Can you imagine if moms could beam everywhere? (laughs) I feel like all the good conferences, I feel like all the good conferences are like in San Diego or LA and I'm so far from there. I'm on East coast, you know? Yeah. So that's what I do. I'm right in the Midwest, but I still feel like, oh, the travel, you it know. Is, it's a lot. Okay. So next question. Uh, what was the last show you binge watched? Last show I binge watched. This is super embarrassing. <laughs> what I'm going to share with you is embarrassing. So I watched this show called Married at First Sight. And it's a social experiment where they take scientists and spiritual advisors and a sexologist and all these people, they take these tests and like surveys, connect you with a person that on paper you should be the perfect match for and you marry them like at first sight. That sounds horrible. It's crazy. It's I don't I don't know why I was binge watching it. I think I found it on Hulu when I was at the gym or something. And it's just this um, unbelievable social experiment. And so when I watched the first one and I, you know, by the second episode, they're married. I'm like, well, I have to see if they're going to make yeah, it. I could not even fathom <laughs> that um, because marriage is so hard anyways. But you know what? The success rate of that is probably still the same as it is now. 50 Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. I didn't get to the end episode yet. So I don't know if they're still together, but I just thought it was really interesting too, to what level we are taking social experiments. Yeah. That is reality TV. That's why. Yeah. That's exactly right. The peak behind the curtain, hence Insta stories and Snapchat, you know, you're right. Okay. So next question, what should the title on your business card actually say? So right now, what does it say? CEO? What should it actually say? No, it says what it should say. It says founder and chief sparkler. Oh, love it. Love it. (laughs) Well, your brand, right? Yeah, exactly. Cause, um, you know, I, we lovingly refer to our subscribers as sparklers. Mm -hmm. Um, and at one point we were talking about business card designs and what you, what you call yourself it, within the group, we were having this conversation. And so I asked the girls, you know, what should I be called? And so it, they gave me all these funny, fun, like really fun names. And then chief sparkler was the one that just kept coming up. So I was like, all right, I'm putting it on the business card. I love it. I think it fits you so well. And you. you know, and <laughs> you and your business, you know? Yeah. Okay. So last question is, do you have an alter ego or stage persona? Yes. 
I definitely do. So I am like, we live on the side of a mountain and I'm more like tomboy slash boho chic, like in the way I dress and the things we do. Like I love to hike and we love to be on water and like, it's just very kind of outdoorsy. But then my persona that matches with the brand is much more polished, much more dresses and like, like messy buns and, you know, actual makeup on my face. And (laughs) I think, I think there's a nice mix in the middle. Like I think I can kind of balance it between the persona and the, the way I am at home. I think, you know, there's some crossover, but I have, it's so funny. I have my, you know, day-to-day clothes in my closet and then we have a guest room and that's where I have my sparkle hustle grow clothes. So they're, oh, they're much more sparkly and there's a lot more pink. Glamorous. Glam, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and those are reserved for like photo shoots and events and, and things like that. So yes, I, I, but I try to, I try to balance it well because I, I'm not misrepresenting in either way because I have so much fun. Yeah, for sure. I think that's with any of us, especially since most of us work at home um, Mm -hmm. as far as your avatar. But we do have those clothes that, as Jacqueline and I say, sometimes we have to be presentable. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) And other times we look our usual. (laughs) I got on a mastermind call the other day and I realized my shirt was inside out. You know, I mean, I'm barely, barely surviving. I did spring break. That's why. Yesterday I did a video chat with someone with a dress like I wore a dress on top and then I had like black pants underneath it because I'm like, I'm freezing. I was got <laughs> snow. And so I had my, my pants underneath my dress, <laughs> but they didn't know, you know? Yeah. No, you don't know. Party on the, or, you know, party on the top. Exactly. <laughs> How many times have I done a, a conference call or video chat with yoga pants on the bottom and like a blouse on top? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. That's a- makeup and makeup and hair done and jewelry. That always helps. <laughs> okay, Julie. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it so much. And you are an awesome guest. And can you tell us a little bit of where everybody can find you? Yes. You can find um, more information about Sparkle Hustle Grow at sparklehustlegrow.com. And we are on Instagram and Facebook with the handle Sparkle Hustle Grow. And also on Twitter with the handle at SHG box because Sparkle Hustle Grow was too long. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we had to condense it. So we are in those places. We're on Pinterest as well, but we're most active on Facebook and in Facebook and Instagram for sure. And then you're also on Crate Joy if they want to buy a box, right? Yes. So Crate Joy is the marketplace you can find us. But if you actually go to the website, you'll find much more information because we have the blog there. We have videos of past unboxings and we just have more information. Whereas similar to Etsy, you know, you get one page on, oh. on the Crate Joy marketplace. Yeah. To, to learn more, the best place would be to go to the website. Okay, great. Thank yeah. you so much, Julie. You're welcome. This has been so fun. This episode was brought to you by our mastermind, Multi-Stream Machine. Multi-Stream Machine is our 12-week program that takes the high-level knowledge of two product-based experts, myself and Jacqueline, combined with all the inspiration, accountability, and magic of a peer mastermind. We coach the hot seats through their struggles, facilitate the advice of all their fellow product-based masterminders, and help to focus everyone on more sales. Believe me, it's not only business-changing, it's life-changing. And we want you to be a part of it. Go to www.theproductboss.com slash mastermind to learn more or to apply now.